You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porter Subs. It's time for our weekly visit with the Hall of Famer, John McClane. From Sports Radio 610, right now on Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. And we're blessed to have John McClain on the phone lines now, again from Sports Radio 610 in H-Town. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, and I'm in Bristol, Connecticut. I'm on the campus of ESPN. This is a fantastic little ride for me out here, and it's been fun uh, so far. Be back in uh, the home studios back on Friday. But, John, as we are getting ready for another season of football, and you've been covering the NFL for a very long time. Do you ever get that kind of excitement, that extra I-can't-sleep-at-night feel when you know another season's about to start? Always. I'm like Q. I'm like I was when I was a kid, and I look forward to the first day of school. Couldn't sleep the night before, got excited about it, and I get that way every year. This is my 52nd year as a sports writer, my 47th covering the NFL. And uh, it's like it was the first. And I'll never get tired of it because it's the greatest. Football's the greatest sport. The NFL is the first. And then college football is second. And baseball, then there's everything else. <laughs> why, why has the NFL, or how I should say, has the NFL created themselves to be such a, a dominant you know, outlet and a, def, a dominant performance or a, you know, a profession where we love it that much? I think because you don't have as many games, and even though they've increased them to 17 and 18 is inevitable, and then they'll do two preseason games and probably more joint practices, but uh, they've been great at promoting. They took advantage of it on TV. And when they got the American Football League on NBC and the National Football League had been on CBS, and they grew, and then the merger was the first big step between the two leagues. And they, they played, you know, interconference games, and everything the commissioners Zell did was about promotion. Then Paul Tagliabue took it over to a new level. Then ESPN and later the NFL Network made it even to a bigger deal. And I think the thing that probably set it apart, Q, was the introduction of Monday Night Football in 1970. Jets and the Browns in Cleveland. Having a game on Monday nights where everybody was a captive audience helped make the NFL the monolith that has become today. You know, it's become worldwide. Now with mm-hmm. gambling, my goodness, <laughs> the population just continues to soar. Yeah, no, it really does. John McClain is our guest again from Sports Radio 610 in Houston here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So the first game of the season is this Thursday, KC against the Lions. And KC has a few issues going on. Travis Kelsey and a knee. Sounds like he might not play. Chris Jones hasn't showed up yet. So what do you think Kansas City's thinking as they have two of their best players not available? It looks like they might not be available. Andy Reid's going, man, I'm glad it's not Patrick. As long as they got Patrick Mahomes, they're capable of beating anybody, as the Raiders know all too well. You know, last year, Tyreek Hill was traded to Miami. People say, well, there's no way they're going to win another Super Bowl. They went 14-3, won another Super Bowl. Now, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes go together like bacon and eggs. Mm-hmm. And they're looking long-term. You know, you're not winning this. Super Bowl the first week. It's not what you do in September and October. It's what you do November, December, and now January because the regular season goes over into January. So if they got to keep him out, keep him out. 
We've seen upsets on Thursday nights before. The opener with the defending Super Bowl champion, there have been teams that have pulled upsets. I don't think this is going to happen, but, boy, if they did, they'd be celebrating in Detroit. People are so fired up uh, in Michigan about the Lions who haven't won the one playoff game since the 50s. And if they were to pull an upset in this game Thursday night, Q, it would be so good for the NFL. Kind of like if Colorado could somehow overcome a 20-point deficit and shock TCU. <laughs> yeah, well, Colorado and Deion Sanders, they were able to get it done as those big-time underdogs on Saturday. That was a great way to start week one of uh, of college football action. I want to ask you about Deion Sanders because the conversation has been a lot that, hey, he does really well on the college level. There's going to be an NFL team come calling. Do you think he could coach an NFL team? I think uh, a lot of people wondered, me including when Deion went to Jackson State, well, just how how – devoted is he going to be to coaching because he he uh, anybody watched him on the NFL Network or other TVs you know, he had a great job he was mm-hmm. just being prime yep. and he did a great job at Jackson State so he gets the Colorado job and I I don't know what's going to happen but at some point Mike McCarthy's going to be fired by the Cowboys now Jerry Jones has been very patient with his head coaches. But say say in a couple more years that Jerry Jones decides to fire Mike McCarthy and Colorado continues to win and Deion stockpiles talent from all over the country because they all want to play for Coach Prime. Could Coach Prime and Jerry Jones exist <laughs> in the Metroplex? What a twosome that would be. And at that point, Jerry's going to be 82 or 83 years old, and his, he wants so badly to win another Super Bowl. And remember, Q, the Super Bowls he won were with college coaches, Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer. So he caps good lightning strike a third time. I'll guarantee you if Dion can keep this up, and he did a fabulous job against TCU, but if he mm-hmm. can keep this up, then I'll guarantee you he'd be on a lot of NFL teams with radar, and consider, I'm guessing he still got his home in Dallas. That's where he lived until he went to Jackson State. He may have homes all over the place, but right. boy, the fan base up there, as popular as he is, you know they would be pushing for him like crazy. Oh, yeah, they would. They would be talking up a Coach Prime for real. That that would be something to see if he ended up becoming the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I'll tell you what, he's got everybody talking about him today in that program, and that's a good thing. That's what Colorado uh, hired him for was to get the attention and, oh, win games too, and he's done both. So uh, shouts out to uh, Coach Prime for what he's able to do. Again, John McClain from Sports Radio 610 is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. The Jets have been all the hype all off season, all training camp and preseason are you buying the hype? Do you think they're the favorite in that division to win it? I uh, am working on a column right now for SportsRadio610.com where there's no paywall on my predictions for the Texans and the playoffs. The Texans will not be in the playoffs. No anybody <laughs> to hear that. Go, oh, what, what? Uh, I'm not stupid. And uh, so I think the Jets are the best things happened to the Giants. You know, the Giants – they were a surprise team last year. Brian Dayball did a fabulous job in his first season. They win a playoff game, then they get crushed. And ordinarily, if the Jets were bad like they usually are, all the offseason talk would be, can they get beyond the wild card round 
you'd be on the divisional round this year, and there'd be a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Brian Dayball, but nobody's talking about the Giants except when they open against the Cowboys. And I think the Jets are capable of winning the division. I think I'm going to pick them to win the division and get beat in the playoffs because people act like Aaron Rodgers would be all end off. He's got a losing record since he won his last Super Bowl, only Super Bowl in 2010, losing record in the playoffs. So there's no guarantee if he gets you the playoffs, he's going to win. And he had some home field advantage twice in there recently, and they couldn't take advantage of it. And I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'll go ahead and tell you, I like to be different on Super Bowl picks. So San Francisco's not different. But I'm picking Baltimore to win the Super Bowl. Nobody else is. They're picking Cincinnati to win the division or Buffalo. Kansas City, no. Hadn't been a team repeat as champion since the Patriots. After the 2002 season, there hasn't been a Super Bowl loser like Philadelphia. Other than New England, a Super Bowl loser hasn't been back to the Super Bowl since the Steelers, I believe, in the 1990s. So I'm not having Philadelphia go to another Super Bowl. I'm not having Kansas City winning another Super Bowl. I want to be different, so I'm going with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Nice. I like it. I got Baltimore winning that division. I didn't have them going all the way to the Super Bowl, but uh, that's a good one right there. I think they're going to be a lot better offensively, especially with Todd Monken as the offensive coordinator now and Lamar happy with some weapons around him. So I wanted to ask you, I'm glad you brought up Philadelphia because it feels like to me, John, not enough people are talking about that Super Bowl hangover that it's almost like it's it's the inevitable that they're going to go win the NFC East again, which, oh, by the way, nobody wins that back to back. And they're just going to walk to the Super Bowl like it's no big deal. I don't I don't see it that easy, John. Well, history shows it's not that easy unless you got Tom Brady at quarterback because New England did it one time. Right. Uh, I think Philadelphia's the most complete team in the NFL, dominant defensive line. Jalen Hurts is ready to take the next step, be a superstar. But um, I'm picking Dallas to win the division. I'm not picking mm-hmm. Dallas to go to the Super Bowl. I think Philly and Dallas will both go to the playoffs. Cue the AFC is so much better than the NFC. Yep. There's yeah. going to be teams with winning records. Might be 10 and 7 teams get left out of the playoffs. The thing is, Peter King this week had Jacksonville, Jacksonville with the best record in the AFC. And people are like, he's nuts. Well, the di- difference is those teams in the AFC North and the East are going to be getting beat up in their own divisions. Then you got the AFC West. Well, the AFC South is terrible. The AFC South plays the NFC South, which is terrible. So if the Jaguars are just good, they could end up with more victories because they don't play a really tough schedule. Now, the AFC South plays AFC North, but uh, I'm not predicting that, of course. I would never do that, but I could understand his reasoning. It's going to be so much fun, Q. Every year, I think each season it's not going to be better than the year before. And you think about the Super Bowl last year and how exciting it was. I uh, I just I'm so excited for the season. Colleges, the college season, that's kind of like you're you're having your appetizer, mm-hmm. and it is a great appetizer. It's your dream appetizer, and then you're ready for the entree, and that is the NFL. Man, we speak the same language, brother. <laughs> same language. I think the same exact thing. Well, John McClain is our guest again, Sports Radio 610, here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you, John. Today, um, there was some bunch of Instagram posts that came out from Chandler Jones that have, re- that have now been deleted, and it really sounded bad towards the organization and the coach and the GM. 
I don't know how to even address it. And, you know, I never know where a player's coming from when they put stuff out on social media. You've been covering the league a lot longer than I have. What do you, how do you kind of handle those situations? Well, when they put something out and they delete it, but people have already taken screenshots, then you, it's like a kid getting caught with his hand in a cookie jar. And a veteran like that, that's what's really surprising. You know, Chandler Jones has always been such a class act and never heard him involved in any controversy whatsoever. I don't even know what he put on Instagram. I don't know anything about it because I've been working all day. But um, that's the kind of thing a player and a coach or maybe a player and a general manager will sit down and talk about and uh, get it ironed out because once the season starts, people don't think that kind of stuff. Once Bosa and Chris Jones sign their new deals, they'll come back going all out and be so happy, and they will sign new deals. They always get them worked out. And uh, so it, because it's the start of the season and because players players are players for a reason because they love the game, the competitive, the camaraderie, and there's a lot of players who are unhappy. We'll put something out on social media. They might regret it and they might not, but when the bell sounds, they're going to be given everything they got. Right, and you know, there's so many different elements that could come into play. And John, re- recently we've you know learned so much about you know the mental health side of things. I always like to err on the side of caution when it comes to situations like this because I really don't know what's going on in a player's mind, especially when they put something out on social media. We got one here with left guard Kenyon Green, 15th overall pick last year, not played well as a rookie, and uh, he blew out his shoulder, had surgery, but there's something else going on. They put him on hour for the year. And, hoping he'll come back next year and have everything together. But when they talk about issues beyond an injury, you can't speculate. Right. And and you feel for anybody that has any kind of injury or issue, and you hope that they can overcome it and bounce back. And the NFL has been great. Teams have been great. There have been players. Lane Johnson stepped away for a few games because of mental health issues. There's uh, uh, was uh, Calvin Ridley. Didn't Calvin Ridley – Yes, before yep. he got suspended, there's yep. players. So the NFL is doing everything they can. All the player has to do is to let his team know. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And so we don't know, and I don't, like you said, want to speculate on what's going on with Chandler Jones and what he's thinking and what he was thinking when that situation did occur. Well, John, fantastic stuff as always. Uh, I know you said you're writing your predictions. Uh, is that what you're putting out right now on Sports Radio 610 that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I've got Astros column up there. The Astros just beat the Rangers after getting swept at home by the Yankees. It's a great race in the AL West. Three teams could win it. Looks like it's going to come down to the wire. So I've got Astros, I've got NFL, and I've got C.J. Stroud tomorrow in the first game and D'Amico Ryan's the first game on Thursday. Thank you very much, Q. Have fun in Bristol. Will do. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate you as always. There he goes. The great John McClain right there from Sports Radio 610 in Houston. I wasn't there going to bring up those Baylor Bears who took an L on Saturday to a Texas State 26-and-a-half-point favorites, and they took an L, and it wasn't even close. Week one of college football. I know I say that week zero should be called week one after this past weekend. I think I understand why it's week one. This was a hell of a weekend with Colorado getting on top of TCU, uh, Baylor losing to Texas State. We saw uh, LSU got ran out the building by Florida State. We saw Duke upset Clemson. All in week one, baby. (laughs) All in week one. So there's that. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our good friend Paul from Temecula. What's going on, Paul? How you doing? 
I'm doing good, Q. Thanks for having me on, and uh, congrats on your gig over there at ESPN, man. Keep up the good work. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Hey, um, I'm kind of with you, man. I um, This whole narrative that's always the coach's fault or Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, like like they don't have a, a, a heartbeat or they don't have a beat on their team, it's kind of like it's like the easy way out, right, because it doesn't fit the narrative because they're expatriates and so on and so forth. So um, I'm, I'm with you until we get all the facts and figure out what's happening. Um, it's just a, a wait-and-see game, and – and if it is what it is, I, we kind of suspect that what it is. I, I hope, I hope uh, he gets the help that he needs, and there's resources for him and all that stuff. Um, I just want to uh, give you a quick scenario, Q. This okay. um, is kind of based insurance, but I'm, I'm, it ties back to everything. So, if um, who do you think is going to pay a, a higher premium insurance? A 65-year-old man who's been driving for about 40 years uh, drives a older model wagon or a 21-year-old college student who drives a newer model uh, convertible car? Who do you think is going to pay more? Oh, uh, I would say the, the younger the younger guy. The younger guy, right? In the, in the, in the, in the drop that. top, yep. Yeah, so what if I told you that the 65-year-old guy has a bunch of speeding tickets, parking infractions, and has had a DUI before, and the 21-year-old um, lives in a university, has no parking tickets, has no infractions, is a straight-A student, and and only and only drives and commutes 10 miles to work. Who do you think is paying more now? Ah, oh, I see where you're going with that one. I see, I see. The 65-year-old man is reckless. <laughs> right. And and why why do we know that? Because that, all the information came out, right? So it's right. easy to assume and say that, you know, the, the McDaniels is or Ziegler didn't do this or that. Like, let's just pump the brakes and let's wait and see. And um, I hope everything turns out good. Thanks for taking my call, Q. Hey, great call, Paul. I like the way you break that down, man. It made a whole lot of sense the way you put it in, in terms that we understand, right? Sometimes that's how you have to speak in language that we understand. And you know what we all understand? Insurance and having to pay for someone in college, <clears throat> little Q, and you know, and, and having to pay for someone else, right? So I get it. So that, yeah, man, that, that makes a lot of sense. I like the way you, that you break it down. And sometimes, and I've been guilty of this. I'm not going to try to act like I'm on some high horse and that I just won't do this, that, and the other. I've done it. I've been there, done that. I've, I've reacted to something too quickly without having all the proper information, and I've learned from that. The, the big thing about it is learning from that, and that's why I won't do that. I'd rather be correct and be last then be first and be wrong. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are so quick to want to have it first on everything that they're wrong. And it's about everything, even little things, right? I mean, I remember when people were arguing on Twitter, and I know Twitter is a place to argue, but it was, you know, they're arguing about when the first padded practice was going to be in training camp. And I was like, does it matter? <laughs> right? I mean, they're going to have a padded practice. They all do. At some point, but there was just, like, they had to have it right. I got sources that said it's Saturday. Well, I got sources that said it's Monday. And I don't give a damn, man. Just when they have pads on, we'll tell you, and it's called, it's good. It's just so wild that everyone wants to be first, so they don't always know. So I'm willing to wait and, and, and make sure that I got it right so when we talk about it, we're talking about facts and we're not talking about speculation. Let's go back out to the phone lines, talk to our guy. Quick, quick, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Chubal, what it do? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. Same here. Look. One week before, and they got us acting up, huh? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> One week before, they would have... Can't have nice things. <laughs> cannot have nice things. 
I'm anti-speculation as well. However, the one thing that I will say is that the iffiness around the coach has always kind of been there, in my opinion. Right. I think it has with a lot of people. Denver, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, my my fault. It did follow him from Denver. It Mm -hmm. kind of it started last year. We had some mini rumblings of things. So I'm unwilling to say that there is nothing going on. So far, I'm just not willing to say what is at this point because it has followed the coach no matter what you For say sure. about it. He's always had the kind of a, a, a opinion of him as a kind of a stiffer. So it is what it is. I'm hoping that this is really nothing and maybe, maybe a lapse in judgment from Chandler, maybe some frustration at home, something like that. That's what I hope it is. And I just want to start the season, man. I'm ready to yeah. start this season off. Let me give you my two MVPs. I'm um, going chalk. Tay Adams, Max Crosby. I'm at you later. Peace. All right. Thank you, Quick. Appreciate the call. And, yeah, I mean, look, there, again, and I say this about, you know, Coach McDaniels when it comes to even wins and losses. He's got to prove that he's that guy. He hasn't, he hasn't done that. I have no problem saying that because that's factual. That's stuff that we know, right? And I think he knows that too, right? I mean, when he signed up with the, the Raiders, he, he admitted that what, what happened in Denver wasn't good, right? It, it, things didn't go the right way, and he wants things to go the right way. And, obviously, after one year winning six games, that ain't the right way. You know, I mean, that maybe that was the best that that team could have done, given the circumstances. I don't, I don't know, right? But they, he's got to, he's obviously got to do better. There, that is absolute facts. And so, again, until all the facts behind this situation comes out, I can't tell you who to point the finger at, right? It feels really strange when you start talking about locked out of the building. If that's locked out of the building, that feels like it's a situation that's higher than the head coach, right? I mean, let's just take, let's just take that. Like, if I get locked out of out of ESPN here, even though I have my key card. I got I got it today. I have my key card. I, I'm I'm a Disney employee, right? If I go up to the if I go up to the the little badge where I scan this and it's like er, no, I think that that is somebody that's probably higher up than I don't know. Just say the program director, <laughs> right? I feel like that that's somebody that's that's higher than coach. Okay, that came from somebody that alerted security to be like no, cut his pass off. So that's to me is where that's that all of a sudden becomes such a big, uh, a bigger issue. So uh, thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Let's get one more good call in. Raider Mac, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Mac? What's up, Q? <laughs> this is funny, man. This is funny. This is just the Raider way. You know, there's always something. <laughs> always man. something. You, and this is even when we win it, it's still, it's mm-hmm. still some kind of nonsense is going on. But Q, we, we we shouldn't even be wasting our time on this. And I understand you got to address it because people want to talk about it. But to me, I'm with you. Wait till the facts come out, and then we can go go about this, man, and, and, and handle it when it comes. Because at the end of the day, like um, what's his name said from from the Texans is, uh, or I think he's retired now from the Texans. But uh, all this is going to be under the under the bridge, man. Look, we should be concentrating on when John Jacobs came back. I'm with you. Why wasn't it people calling and say, oh, man, we got John Jacobs back? I mean, they should have been as enthused mm-hmm. as Jacobs coming back as they are with this nonsense. But you know what? Hey, good things don't sell. Bad things sell. That's what my yep. dad used to tell me about newspapers. They, they they put all the good things in, in, the, in the back pages, all the bad stuff, like front page, because they want you to, to hear Here's my biggest thing coming up this 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 game. We should dominate our D line should dominate, and that that, that includes Chandler Jones should dominate the offensive line, especially Bowles. Bowles has no answer. He he has no answer for for Max Crosby and no. That's where we should win the game at because they, their defense is good. Don't get me wrong, but but our D line should dominate that O line 
and win this game. Will we beat them five, six in a row? Six in a row. Six in a row. row? So so that's where I think we need to concentrate. Hugh, you're doing a great job. You guys are doing a great job. And I think all this negativity before the season comes, we need to address it today and let it go after today. Let's talk about the positive, get the season going so we yeah. can go um, forward, man. All this negativity, let, that's behind us. So let's, let's do what we're supposed to do. And I appreciate your show. And congratulations with um, ESPN and stuff. And Q, just one more thing, I'll let you go. If, I, if, 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 do you think there's any way Jimmy Garoppolo get pulled if he's not doing good in, in that first game? Do, and, and I'll let you go on that. All right, thank you for the call. And no, I don't think week one. No, not at all. I think that it's going to take a handful of games of Jimmy not playing at the level that he's supposed to be playing uh, in order to get pulled and, and potentially Aiden O'Connell be thrown in there. Most likely probably would be if, if it was for performance. I think that it'd be Aiden O'Connell. And hell, it might be for you know injury as well. But I think that he has at least you know, the first quarter of the season, the first four games of the season to prove what he can do. And I think that, well, and I know that I hope that he does really well because I think the Raiders have the best chance of winning with Jimmy G under center. Speaking of Jimmy G, thanks, Raider Mac, for that segue. Fantastic job. According to Field Yates from ESPN, the Raiders have restructured the contract of quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, creating $17 million in 2023 cap space per source. I'll let that dangle out there. $17 million is a lot of change, man. That's not going down to the corner store picking up a, a Butterfinger and an a apple juice. I don't even think those two go together, but whatever. It's just, yeah, Ari looked at me like, that's gross. <laughs> that's not a good combination. <laughs> you are not a snacker. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't I do not do that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that clearly showed. Last time I ate candy bars, Butterfinger was my go-to. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. I don't, know, I don't know what that could be for, but $17 million is a lot of money. Just throwing it out there, right? I believe if. I want to say, and I'll, I'll, I'll grab this nugget real quick, and again, not speculating, just pack, passing on the information that I know as facts, because that's what we do. And this is from our good friend Josh DeBow from the AP. He said, the Raiders were slated to be about $7 million over the cap. They needed to create room to get under the cap. Restructuring Garoppolo's deal was the easiest way to do it. Okay, so that's that. Uh, he did say earlier, and man, he must have tweeted a lot since then. He talked about Oh, if the Raiders, because people have said that, well, maybe the Raiders are about to release Chandler Jones. If Raiders release Chandler Jones, they would take a $25.6 million in dead money split between about $13 million in 2023 and $12.3 million in 2024. So that's a almost a $26 million dead cap hit between two years that they would split up. But $17 million they created in, uh, in cap space by restructured Jimmy G. But according to Josh DeBow from the AP, they were going to be about $7 million over the cap. So they had to make... Our restructure. 327 is the time. We'll come back and we'll talk some Raiders football as they're preparing for the Denver Broncos. And we'll do that with the guy that cannot stand those Denver Broncos. And he'll tell you about it next. It's Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs six foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made to order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh baked bread. Loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. 
four seconds on the play clock. Hands it off to Jacobs. Burst through the middle. Cuts back at the five. Carries the defender. Touchdown, Raiders! Jacobs tosses it into the stands. And he might have just sealed Las Vegas' first win of the year. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Josh Jacobs touchdown on October 2nd, 2022. First Raider victory of the season. Came in the wrong month. We don't want the Raiders to wait till October to pick up their first victory. Like to see it in September. Matter of fact, mm, I don't know. Let's go ahead and see it on Sunday versus Denver Broncos. Join us now on the phone lines as a man that played against the Denver Broncos and knows what that rivalry is all about. And it was a big-time rivalry at one time, but lately the Raiders have dominated with six straight victories. That's Lincoln Kennedy. He's on the call. Of course, he's there with Jason Horowitz. And Lincoln, how excited do you get just for week one of, of NFL action? You know it's back for real now. Well, first of all, what's up, Q? How you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm good, brother. How are you? Good, good. Hold on one second. <laughs> yes, no doubt. Anyway, it's all I good. Tried to get that cough out of the way before. Anyways, you know the thing is, is that when you start the schedule, and I was talking about it earlier this morning on roundtable, is a, it's when when the schedule comes out, there were two things I was looking for. I was looking for when do we play Denver in Denver, and when do we play Kansas City in Kansas City? Because you know it's probably two of the coldest until you know your other opponents, mm-hmm. two of the coldest places that you can play. That's definitely on your schedule, right? So my your answer to your question is you got pumped up for rivalry. Because you wanted to win the division, you know, understood if you won your division, you would have a home, at least one home playoff game. Uh, you know, and so that's a great start. So every coach that I ever played for pushed to win the division, and more importantly, you always want to start off strong, start the season off strong. So I'm hoping, like like you said, I'm hoping that for that for the Raiders as well. Yeah, and when it comes to this first game, and you know, we all know that the struggles that the Raiders had a season ago. How important for their own psyche and confidence would it be to go on the road and get that first victory? I think it's incredibly important, and I also think because, you know, we were talking a couple times last year when I would said, you know, until they had that first win, this team didn't know how to win together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact is they, they got some playing time in preseason, which I thought was a good thing, and now they're, they're on the road. The, you, know, first, you look at the first month's schedule, it's no easy pickings. They've got a tough one. Yeah, they do. And Sean Payton and the Broncos have reportedly, and, and I've said this multiple times, they wanted to get the Raiders week one. Uh, that's what we heard out of Denver. What has been, what is, what is your, just, what's your thoughts on the Denver Broncos and Sean Payton? How quickly do you think he could turn that, that team around? Well, look, I, I thought for the last couple of years, even though the Raiders had dominated him, I thought the, the, the fact is the Broncos were just a quarterback away from being successful. Now, they gave up a whole hell of a lot to get Russell Wilson, and maybe it was the system or him not feeling comfortable. Who knows why they, they were an abomination last year. No one could put their finger on it. But they've got players. They've yeah. got an extraordinary secondary. They, they revamped the offensive line to help give Russell some more protection. They've got a running game. Um, it, it's been marred by injuries last year, but this year they're looking, looking strong. They've got some players. They've got some receivers and everything. they got everything else that they need to be successful. They've just got to put it all together. I think it's incredibly important for Sean Payton because he's one of those coaches or been with one of those systems. Like He was, he was in New Orleans for 15 years, mm-hmm. and one of the big things that they had in New Orleans is that you always had to beat the Falcons. And when I played for the Falcons, that was our biggest rivalry. You know, you got to beat the you got to beat the beat the Saints. And so there are there are teams within your division that ownerships. And you look at you know look at the Raiders over the last couple of years, them owning the uh, the, the Broncos. They went through two coaches. Right. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? So I, that shows you how important this game is to their their franchise. 
So as far as the Raiders go, and you've been out at training camp, you've seen preseason, you know what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have done, you've been in those uh, production meetings. How much better do you think that this team is, at least on paper, than they were a year ago? At least on, on, on paper, they look solid and they look deep. They didn't have that fortune last year. You know, the fact that they kept six defensive tackles, interior linemen, our defensive linemen, shows you that, um, that, that where their mind is at with Max Crosby and, of course, getting, you know, Wilson in the draft. So it shows the revamp, the, try to revamp Patrick Graham's defense. Um, and they didn't have that luxury last year. We had said, we had talked many times where I said they don't have the players in the fold to play Patrick Graham's defense. Well, now they do. Um, and as far as Josh McDaniel's offense, the thing is, is that you know Jenny, Jimmy Garoppolo's history and the fact that he's been successful in this offense and he's been successful throughout his career. All you need to do is maintain the level of stability for him to be on the football field. And that's one, one of the reasons why they paid particularly close attention to the offensive line. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness talking all things Raiders as they prepare for the Broncos on Sunday there in Denver. And so you mentioned the offensive line. We always look to you for the offensive line. Greg Van Roten is in there. He won the job. Alex Bars is out. Uh, How does the offensive line shape up to you currently? Well, Roden played well. The thing is, is that you got to see all of them together. That's the thing. I mean, because the offensive linemen are five individuals, but they come together, they make one fist, and they make they they be as one. We didn't have the luxury of seeing Colton Miller, you know, in there. He doesn't need to play preseason, but you know, didn't have the the option to necessarily see a lot of the consistency of this offensive line, this makeup. Now they they juggled the chemistry of the offensive line last year. So I put trust in them that they kind of know what they're doing. But I still have to see a lot out of Jermaine Illuminor. Uh, I still have to see uh, you know, uh, him and Van Roten working together and just the whole line working together, Dylan Parham getting over some of his hiccups that he had in training camp. This is why they need game-time reps, and this is why this first game is going to be absolutely important before they go on the road to Buffalo. Lincoln, why has the right tackle position been such a question since, I don't know, you played? <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, here's the thing. They experimented with so many people, and it just didn't work out. You know, you know, Donald Penn was when they drafted Colton Miller, they moved Donald mm-hmm. Penn over to the right side. It didn't work out. Then they drafted Alex Leatherwood, and these are things that you can't predict or project until you actually see them. So they get, you know, no one knew Leatherwood was going to fall apart the way he did. I was excited about Leatherwood when they drafted him, and I thought that that would end the, you know, the bleeding on the right side. But they haven't been able to find a steady piece. And here's the thing, Q. This division is not one to be taken lightly. You know, right. I mean, you think about the people, the defensive ends that you have rushing in this division. I mean, when Von Miller was with Denver, he was he was a serious threat. But you, you know, I mean, you talk about all the defensive ends, the Khalil Max and the Bosa's, and all those guys around the, this this conference, uh, let alone the, the division, and all the things that you'd have to go through. You got to have a solid offensive line, and the Raiders have not had the fortune of being consistent, especially on the right side, being right guard and right tackle. Again, we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Flipping over to the defensive side of things, during the the preseason when you, JT, and Eric Allen were on the radio side of things, Matt Millen and Rich Gannon and and, uh, Jason were on the TV side of things, and I had a conversation with Matt Millen, and he shared concern about the linebackers and their size. And I know that the the linebacker position has changed over the years. Do you share that concern with the linebacker size that the Raiders currently have outside of Robert Spillane? The way way that they play defense – there's not a whole lot of exposure. You don't have teams that have, you know, like we do, a Jakob Johnson. A lot of teams don't have a fullback. So you don't have to worry about two back sets. You don't have to worry about tight ends fighting off the, uh, uh, not the tight ends, linebackers fighting off tight ends rather than fullbacks, which is a little bit different. The, 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 the key, in my opinion, the way it goes for linebacker today is that you have to be able to cover 
more area than not. Mm-hmm. You can be smaller. You know, it's not like you've got a lot of guys running downhill. You can be smaller, but you've got to be able to cover. And that's the big thing. You've got to be, sometimes be able to cover a slot in the zone. You've got to be able to cover a tight end in the zone or, or man-to-man. And you've got to be able to do that. You've got to be more athletic. So we don't necessarily need the heavier, robust type of linebackers, even like Millen was, you know, they, right. back in his day. It has changed. I'm not as concerned because the biggest thing for this system is they've got to be able to move. They've got to be able to see got to be able to get in the right place and communicate to other people, but they got to be able to move. they got the block eaters up front, the defensive tackles and defensive men. Those are the ones that are supposed to keep them off the linebackers. What about Divine Diablo? How big of a year do you think this is for him? I think it's time for him to break out. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen flashes of it, but he's one of those linebackers that struggled in man-to-man coverage last year against the back. I'd, I'd seen him react a little bit better, but I also think because he had, it took a little bit of the pressure off of him by having Spillane back there um, to help out. He doesn't have to have as many reads. He can be focused on his area and his designation rather than trying to read the whole thing or trying to be that, that linebacker that does everything. Again, we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Turnovers, 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 Lincoln. It's something that I've been preaching. I know uh, Josh McDaniels and company have been preaching it. How much? How important is it that the Raiders, they, they, they live in that world this year where they actually create turnovers? Huge, huge. They've got to get used to being aggressive and, and going after that football. They've got, to, they've got to look for it because the thing is, is that you get – you look at last year – some of the Raiders' troubles was staying on the field, not being able to win on third down, not being able to get off the football field. They've got to be able to do that. And whether it's turnovers or winning on defense, you've got to be able to do that if you're going to be productive, especially in this division. Do you expect to see Max Crosby kind of moved around and used a little differently than what we're used to seeing? You can, but his strength is over that left defensive inside. You know what I'm saying? On the right yeah. side of the offense. That, that's his strength. They moved him around the training camp, and sometimes, you know, it's – it's not like, I mean, you change up your footwork a little bit. It's not hard to do, but there's times where you don't want to get in the habit of moving around even when you think people are game planning with you. That's why you need that person on the other side to be as dominant as he is. You know what I mean? So yeah. that, that's, that's the big key. But they've moved him around just so people try to key on him. I saw teams do it with Khalil Mack. I saw the Rams try to do it with Khalil Mack and Chicago try to do it, try to move him to the open side. And just sometimes when you get root, used to rushing or doing something from with one hand down or one particular hand down or from a side your look changing up sometimes can throw you off you don't want to you you want him to be fast you want him to be high motor you don't necessarily want him thinking about everything he's doing we had a really good conversation uh, right before that final preseason game against the Cowboys, and I asked about Tyree Wilson and talked about bringing him along slowly, and you weren't a fan of that. You're like, hey, he's a top-ten pick. You don't bring yeah. him along slowly. This is football. So what do you expect from Tyree on, on Sunday? Well, look, he, he's long. He's strong. He's, he's one of those guys that can you know, probably in, in, impede his will. But I do know this. After watching him in the Dallas game, Q, um, he got a solo tackle, but he needs, he needs snaps. Mm-hmm. He needs reps. He needs reps against NFL linemen. Not that you can duplicate that in practice or even, you know, the, the practicing against another team. He needs to go against an NFL, NFL speed during a game, so he needs reps in order to be productive. I don't have necessarily have high hopes from him on week one, but I'm hoping that we see a nice progression of growth as he goes throughout the season. I wanted to ask you about the other guy that plays across from Max Crosby, and that's Chandler Jones and the news, uh, not news, but all kind of weird stuff came out on social media. How much do you take away from a player on social media these days? Not at all, because it wasn't around when I was around. 
So right. I don't listen to it and I don't read it. Matter yeah. of fact, you know, when they told me about it this morning, I hadn't, I had not even heard about it. I don't, I don't pay attention to social media. I know it gives these, these guys these days an outlet. It can be a distraction in many ways and people, it gives everybody a voice. I'm not, that's one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, and, and the thing is, Lincoln, and we've had some people call in. I said, look, I don't know anything, and I don't right. want to speculate because I feel like that that's reckless. Right. Well, so. and, and we don't know if he was hacked. I mean, because it happens. It just you don't know what's going on until you actually hear from the player, and so that's why I don't pay put any credence into it. Yeah, no, I don't either. So, I mean, I just said, hey, I, when when we find out more information, we'll speak on it. But Certainly. there's not really a whole lot to say at For this sure. point. Well. We'll wrap up with this. Josh Jacobs, he's the guy that has so much success against the Denver Broncos, and we'll yeah. talk more about him on Thursday. But uh, just how do you think he's feeling? I mean, he, he's saying all the right things, that he hasn't missed a beat. He hasn't had any training camp, any preseason, so he didn't get hit. So how, how good a game shape can he be in by Sunday? Can you call fresh legs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's what I'll say to that. You know, I'm glad that he's back. I think yep. he's a vital part to this offense. And, of course, he's had some tremendous games against the Broncos. I do know Sean Payton doesn't game plan for guys, particular players. He just tries to scheme the overall thing. So we'll see how the Broncos play, and we got another, we got two shots at it. Um, but I expect this year to be running back by committee, and the reason why is because I think Samir White had a tremendous training camp in preseason, showed his value, and more importantly, when you think about how many times Josh carried the ball last year, it was the first year in his career that he was able to go from start to finish without injury and missing games. I thought that was absolutely essential, but. 300-something-plus carry, carries on a season puts an awful toll on the body. So I'm mm-hmm. glad he's fresh. I'm glad yeah. he's back. I'm glad he has the right men- mentality, the right attitude. The coaches love him. The players love him. He's a valuable asset to the Raiders. I'm glad to see it. But I expect a little bit more of a change-up than, than we've seen in years past when it comes to, to Josh Jacobs. I expect someone else to help try to carry the load, still keep him in there and still keep mm-hmm. him vital and, and, and going. But you want to share the load a little bit more. Yeah, he's the alpha dog, and there's got to be a couple other people that uh, compliment him. You know, Zamir White, maybe Amir Abdullah in the passing game, whatever the case may be, but he's definitely the alpha dog in that backfield. Well, Lincoln, great stuff as always, man. We'll deep dive into the actual game on Thursday. I know the Raiders are back on the practice field tomorrow, so we'll do that on Thursday. But great to have you back this season. I'm excited for it and, of course, excited for Raider football starting on Sunday. Appreciate you, my man. You got it, Q. (laughs) There he goes. The great Lincoln Kennedy. Fantastic stuff. Love having Lincoln with us. And we get Lincoln twice a week, Raider Nation. Not Uno, but twice, right? And he was on earlier today with uh, JT the Brick and Eddie Pascal on the Raiders Roundtable. You can actually hear that coming up a little bit later on after Unnecessary Roughness. They'll have that for you as well. So we did that all last year. Uh, I was going to be on this one this year, but or this week, but I'm obviously here. <laughs> I'm in Bristol, Connecticut, so I couldn't be in both places at the same time, but there'll be times where I'm on and Eddie's on and JT's on, Lincoln's on. I mean, it'll be a, very, a variation of all of us, but excited for another season of Raider football, excited for the opportunity to do the roundtable. It's always a really good show, and uh, yeah, it's, it's up on YouTube right now, and again, if you want to listen to it, and I do encourage you to listen to it, after this show is over, you can check it out. Uh, it'll be on Raider Nation Radio 920. 346 is the time. My man Ari's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the Bristol, Connecticut studios of ESPN. I'm on the campus, this massive campus. This thing is fantastic being here. It's a lot of fun. I'll be here through Friday. But Raider Nation, I'm here with you right now. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r The question that I threw out there, and I did get some response on the text line that I'll get to on the other side. Three quick, quick questions. Raiders MVP this season, Raiders Rookie of the Year this season, and Raiders Defensive Player of the Year. Maybe it's a little bit different than the MVP, but it's up to you. Let us know about it. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We've been going fast and furious on today's show, as I knew we would. We got John Eisenberg, author of Rocket Man, coming up at the top of the hour. Talk about the book that is about the history of the black quarterback. The Raiders have had a few in their history, right? <laughs> right? One of the very first teams to ever have a black quarterback. So John Eisenberg will join the show coming up at 4 o'clock. Talk about his book that's out right now called Rocket Man. Got a lot of text and calls to get to at 702-365-9200. And, of course, our don'tbebroke.com text line as well at 69187, keyword r One text from the 209 is about the Jimmy G restructure. Uh, creating $17 million in cap space. It says Aaron Donald incoming. And boy, wouldn't that be nice? Don't see that happening, but that would definitely uh, be nice. Uh, Tashawn Reed just put out a, a, a little tweet, and so did uh, Vinny as well. Raiders were over the cap, so this was to get cap compliant and create a little additional room as well. Again, talking about the restructure of Jimmy G's contract. All day Raider A said, I remember being on the air with you before the Colts game last year, and I said be part of being a good coach instead of a good coordinator is being a good leader of men. And as far as anyone can see, McDaniels has not yet proven that he is one. I truly hope that he changes that narrative. And that's all day Raider A on the text line. And yeah, you're right. And I think that's fair. And that's all I ever ask. Just be fair. Right? That's got to that's gotta prove. He's got to prove that he could be a good leader of men. And that's going to be 100% solely up to Josh McDaniels to do that. And part of that is going out and winning games, but also as going out there and leading the men onto the field and setting them up for, you know, uh, to, for success, putting them in the best position to succeed. And I mean, it's just, it's all it has to do with it, but you're right. And that's gotta be something that I can't talk about. You can't talk about. Ari can't talk about. The only person that can actually go out there and get that done and get that narrative changed is coach. That's all 100% on him, but that's the coach that the Raiders have right now. So I'm hoping that he's able to get that done. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, get a quick call in Robert in Portland. You're up. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Yeah, Q, I think uh, the key to this game, it will be ball control. I think that's what the Raiders have to practice this year. They've been able to do that against Denver, and this time they'll need to get a turnover or two, as you already stated. But Mike, 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 I think the key guy will be Jimmy G. He didn't have a good game last year when the Niners went into went into Denver, and you know there was a very low-scoring game that they lost, and I think he wants to... Uh, a lot better job, as will Wilson. I think the game will come down to ball control and third down efficiency both uh, on both teams' parts. That's the key. And I think that the I, – I love Coots. I think he's had a good, a good practice this year, yeah. mm-hmm. the summer practice, and I think he's the key and most improved guy this year. I know you hope Diablo is. I just think Coots is going to be the guy. I mean – Mac, you know he played at Buffalo, too. I'm looking for this Buffalo kid to really come through, and I like Jimmy G's chances of being the most valuable player. As far as rookie of the year, I would say Tucker has a chance because he could have his hands on the ball a hell of a lot. And congratulations on your new job. Oh, thank you so much, Robert. I appreciate the call. Good stuff, man. Trey Tucker, that's thinking outside the box, but he is going to have his hands on the ball quite a bit, I believe, especially in the special teams part of the uh, of the game. So that could be that could be a guy to look out for, an X factor. And I like Koontz. And you know what's funny about Koontz? He was not having a good training camp early. And it wasn't, I, I promise you, I remember the exact day where things clicked for him. And really it clicked for the whole Raiders defense. Uh, where they all of a sudden, on that day, where they called it the Corrections Day, it was a Sunday. It felt like almost a lazy Sunday, 
Uh, there were some, you know, members of, of uh, you know, like season ticket holders and, and, fo- and families like that were out there at the facility and just watching. And it just seemed like it was kind of a, like I said, a lazy Sunday, even though it wasn't lazy. They were out there working. And it just seemed like after that day is when things started clicking for the defense. And it really started clicking for him. And that's the day that he filled in for Max Crosby, who was not who was not participating that day. Jimmy G wasn't participating. I don't think Devontae participated. There was a bunch of guys that weren't out there on that Sunday. And ever since then, Malcolm Kuntz has just played better. At first, he was a guy that I wasn't even noticing out there, and I was looking for him. When do you notice him? And now, well, and then after that, it really he stepped up, and you started noticing him, he started making plays, and you thought, okay, now I can see what they, they saw in this guy out of Buffalo. In his rookie year under the previous staff, he did really well. Then last year, he was basically a no-show, you know, and that was either he just didn't fit with Patrick Graham's scheme, uh, he didn't pick it up, they didn't trust him, whatever the case may be, but he was really a special teams dude. If he can contribute this year defensively and create some havoc, he's shown he can get to the quarterback, that'd be a hell of a thing for the silver and black. Thanks so much for that call. I do appreciate you. 3.56 at a time. We'll take a break. Come back. John Eisenberg will join the show. We'll talk about Rocket Man. That's his book. It's out right now. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.